When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi guys, welcome to the World History Review. Uh, if you want to have this out and take notes as you go, remember you can turn this in for some bonus points, uh, not on the, the, the actual midterm test, but on the, um, I'll give it to you on a later test or uh, if I need to hold on to it till a, a future test, we can do that also. Okay. Uh, all right. So the first question on your, your sheet is to compare and contrast Mesopotamia and Egypt. Uh, so on the Egypt side, some of the big things you need to know is that they had pharaohs versus Mesopotamia, which had kings, okay? Uh, and the big difference there, uh, while they did kind of the same thing, is that pharaohs were seen as gods versus the kings on the Mesopotamia side who were seen as representatives uh, of the gods, okay? Uh, and then the similarities, they both had polytheistic religions, okay? That was the big similar thing. Uh, and then lastly, uh, Egypt, they had a dependable source of flooding the nile river would flood uh on regular intervals for them and then they could plant and and do all that kind of stuff and they kind of knew this is when it's going to happen versus mesopotamia where their river floods were unpredictable although they did depend upon them just like the egyptians did okay all right number two uh uniform writing was the system for the sumerians and then how this impacted communication within Mesopotamia, and then how did the Phoenician alphabet help improve communication in Mesopotamia? Uh, well, first off, it allowed them to connect with each other because they now had a similar um, form of writing that they could look at. Now, remember, the uniform writing was kind of the blocks where they had the symbols and things like that, and eventually the alphabet is going to make it easier uh, to read, and more people can learn to read and, and write uh, when they just had the alphabet versus these symbols that they had to stamp out uh, and things like that. All right, number three, we went over this in class. I'm going to go over it one more time, though. How did China change under the following civilizations? And you had to think about government changes, social changes, and trade changes. And you had three groups, three dynasties, the Zhao, the Qin, and the Han. Okay. Uh, so the Zhao, uh, they were the first dynasty to kind of question the, the manifest, um, the mandate of heaven, excuse me. Um, they said that if uh, a dynasty or a ruler was not doing what they're supposed to, that the gods allowed you to, to overturn and kick them out. Already, um, the Qin dynasty, Qin, Q-I-N, um, they believe that the, the government should change from being reliant on the traditional things, uh, traditional, you know, this is how we used to do it, so we're going to do it this way now, um, and more of a letter to what the, ruling by the letter of the law, all right? They also believed in total war, so they kind of took it to people, uh, not just the, the warrior class, but also the um, peasants and the farmers and the, the different groups that weren't necessarily participating in the, in the war. Uh, and then the Han Dynasty, that's considered the golden age of China. Uh, they gave us the civil service stuff where you're going to take a test uh, to get prepared for a uh, or to get a government job or to get a, a job in the, the palace and things like that. And also uh, paper. All right. Uh, what was the Silk Road and where did it start? The Silk Road was the, the trade route from China to Europe. OK, so that's what you need to know about that. Uh, and it started during the Han Dynasty. Uh, how did the Silk Road impact the economy of Asia and Europe? <clears throat> Be as specific as possible. Uh, well, the products uh, went 
from China to Europe, usually. There were some going back from Europe to China, but for the most part, it was China to Europe. Uh, and then the big thing is the cultural diffusion that happened here. All right. Um, so cultures, religions, customs, things like that uh, moved back and forth between the two. And uh, this was really the one of the, the big ways that, that people uh, got to know there's different religions out there and different ways to do things. All right. For number six, uh, we did this in class. It's about Confucius. And his ideas, and it's about uh, there are six things that you need to, to have known about. All right, so first up is the examination system. Uh, we already said that this was the test uh, taken for a job, okay? Um, and the first tests that how Confucius affected this was that these tests were usually based on his writings. All right, so it wasn't really, oh, you're competent at your job. It was that, hey, you knew about Confucius and you knew what he believed in in his writings. All right. Uh, next thing was the mandate of heaven. And this was the right of uh, rule comes from God. Uh, and this was affected or impacted by Confucianism uh, because of the, the uh, loyalty that he had uh, written about. OK, uh, so people underneath the rulers, you know, were supposed to be loyal. And the loyalty came not only because of the rulers, but also because they got the right to rule from God. Uh, peasants, uh, this is the farmers. That's the definition you need to know. And the impact was the subordinate role that they were supposed to have. Remember, he had relationships and he had the kind of the, I don't want to say the ruling class and things like that, but you were supposed to kind of know your role with Confucius' stuff. Gender roles, men versus women. Okay, that's the definition. Uh, and just remember that under Confucius, with his relationships, it was man to woman. Okay, and the women were you know, subordinate to the, the the men. They didn't have as many uh, rights as uh, other places. Merchants. Okay, that was traders and sellers and things like that. And then their um, impact or the impact on them was the fact that they were fairly low. Okay, low down. Um, and it's because they were seen not seen as, as making anything. They weren't actually producing stuff. They were uh, you know, sending products here and there, but not stuff that they had made. And then lastly for this is the patriarchal family. This is the, the father or the, the male-centered uh, family. And it goes back to the, the gender roles thing with Confucius in that the, um, the women are lower than the, the men. Okay, and they're supposed to be obedient or subordinate to the men. All right, moving on to number seven, compare and contrast the different government systems of the classical world. So you had the Roman Republic versus the Roman Empire. The Roman Republic, the origins, uh, this was right after the Romans are going to break free from the Etruscans. They were the first, well, I shouldn't say first, but they were the um, initial that we know about, the, the people in the Italian peninsula, and uh, they're going to break free. And uh, the characteristic there of who has the power is the citizens. Okay? The citizens get to elect their people, and that's why it's a republic, and that's what we have today. The Roman Empire is going to start around 51 B.C. Augustus Caesar, Augustus Caesar uh, declares himself uh, emperor, and um, that's where you have a single ruler. Okay, so that's the characteristic there. Number eight, what are some differences between Athens and Sparta and which polis did women have more power and influence? Uh, remember that Athens is going to value arts and culture uh, and things like that versus Sparta, where it's more warlike, uh, physical attributes are more important than uh, book smarts and things like that. Okay, uh, and that's the big difference. And then women are going to have more rights than actually Sparta. All right. Uh, Next up, number nine, is the ideas and impact of important individuals, and that is going to be Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. Uh, so we get into their beliefs and the impact of the beliefs. So Socrates, um, he is going to, uh, you know, question everything. Um, the His students were expected to question already. Um, and then the impact of his beliefs um, 
was questioning the, the government, questioning the system uh, that is in place. All right. Plato, um, he had four qualities of a society that he believed we needed. Wisdom, courage, self-discipline and justice. OK. Uh, and the impact of that is going to be the, um, the kind of the development of some of the city states, the polys around that. And then Aristotle, um, he is going to give us the scientific method. OK. Um, and that's the big thing. Uh, for him. And that's, once again, the studies uh, that's going to happen. And it's going to, I don't want to say at least to the scientific revolution because it doesn't really, but it's something that's involved there. Number 10, how did Alexander the Great spread Hellenistic culture throughout the Mediterranean world? Well, through his conquests. And uh, remember, this is where he's going to name several cities after himself, okay, as he goes through. Uh, but he also, he doesn't just force the stuff upon people. He allows uh, the local uh, customs and cultures to, to remain, but with the infusion of the, the Greek Hellenistic culture. Number 11, what are some of the achievements of Julius Caesar when he was dictator of Rome? Uh, the big one is the Julian calendar, something we still use today with the months and the, the days and all that kind of stuff. Uh, he is also going to uh, fight inflation uh, and fight some of the, the, the poverty that's out there uh, by creating civil civil works jobs for people. Uh, he is also going to uh, attack some of the problems with the money that was going on. Uh, you were not allowed to hold more than 60,000 pieces of their money anymore um, and things like that. So the, a couple of things that he did. Number 12, what are some of the achievements of Augustus Caesar while he was um, in charge of ancient Rome? Okay. Uh, number one, he's the founder of the, the Roman Empire. All right. Number two, uh, he gives us the Pax Romana. And then number three, he created a new financial system that's going to make things, uh, I don't want to say easier, uh, but attempt to, to re re reduce some of the stress that people are having. Number 13, who is the founder of Islam? Uh, that is Muhammad. And who is the prophet in Islam? Uh, that's Muhammad. So kind of a weirdly worded question there. Number 14, how did the Islamic empires expand throughout the Middle Ages? Uh, that's through trade and then conquest. Okay, so trade and conquest. How did Constantinople serve as a trading center in the Byzantine Empire? Uh, well, remember, they were the kind of the center uh, of trade because they were in a great geographic location. Um, they were right there in the middle uh, between uh, Europe and Asia. And so it was just a natural stopping point to stop and trade. All right. And then uh, number 16, how did Constantinople serve as a religious center during the Byzantine Empire? Well, once again, it's that center of trade. Uh, and so a lot of religions, a lot of different religions are going to be passing through there. Um, and so uh, they're able to really a couple of different religions are able to take hold there between Christianity, uh, Islam and some other things. Number 17, what Russian city grew as a result of the Byzantine Empire and the Viking interacting? That's Kiev. All right, flip into the back. Uh, number 18, analyze the spread of the Mongol Empire. So number, letter A says, how did Genghis Khan expand his empire? Um, well, he first off united the nomadic tribes. There was the, 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 the Mongols were just a really giant group of uh, nomads, and he's going to be able to unite them into one big giant clan. Uh, and then he starts to expand by uh, attacking and taking lands and people and things like that. Now, he did leave people behind, okay, to run things, but he also left the local government kind of in place. So he wasn't completely crushing. Uh, how did the Mongols interact with the Russians, China, and the West? Okay, for this is the box here. So China, um, he is going to move in and just start taking over. 
Okay, um, that's the interactions there. Uh, they were not super nice to the Chinese as they went in and took over. Okay, uh, so that's the interactions there. For Russia, same thing. They were very harsh to them, uh, really going to kind of set Russia back due to the destruction and things like that. And then the West, uh, they were, uh, they traded. Okay, uh, they did not, they, they moved west a little bit, but they never really got too much into Europe other than into Russia and things like that. Uh, and so they set up the, the trade. Okay, number or let us see, how did the Mongols expand the Silk Road? Did the Silk Road increase their trade? Um, linked up to Europe, okay, uh, and to Russia in, in those places. Uh, B, how did Marco Polo describe the Mongols in his writings? Uh, he did it, he described them a couple ways. First off, as nomads, okay. Uh, because they, they really never settled down. They constantly kept moving. Uh, he said that women uh, had a huge role because they ran the houses while the men went out and hunted. All right. Uh, so that's what he's going to describe. That as. Number 19, describe the development and decline of the Sudanic kingdom. So three things you need to know. All right. You need to know Ghana. You need to know Mali. And I probably say that wrong. And you need to know Songhai. And I probably say that wrong. Uh, Ghana. Okay. They're going to be the first Sudanic tri trading empire. Uh, and they're going to get their, their trade going because of the trade routes that run through Ghana, uh, and that's where their wealth is going to come from, but then they're going to lose their trade routes, and that's when they're going to decline. Mali, uh, they're going to expand under Mansa Musa, all right, um, and his leadership, but then they're going to fall in the 1300s. And then Songhai, um, they're going to rise up because of the leadership of Sunni Ali, but then they're going to be... Uh, taken over by the, the Moroccans in 1591. Uh, 20, describe the travels of Mansa Musa throughout Northern Africa, Western Africa, and the Middle East. Big thing to know here is he's going to travel throughout these places, and he's going to take uh, thousands of people with him, and he's going to take tons and tons of gold, and he's going to disperse that gold throughout the, the regions. He's also going to be the first uh, African uh, ruler, uh, Muslim, to actually make the pilgrimage to Mecca. All right. Uh, and he's going to bring back some of the influence from those journeys to uh, Africa. OK. Twenty one. Due to his travels, Mansa Musa was able to spread what two things throughout northern and western Africa. Gold is the big one. Uh, he would hand that stuff out. OK. He would go from place to place and hand out the gold. And uh, he handed out so much that he actually decreased the value of gold because there's so much of it in rotation at that point. Uh, and then just speaking in broad terms here, uh, the culture, the architecture, you know, all those things that kind of wrap up into that, uh, he's going to be able to spread that out. Okay. All right. 21, I mean, excuse me, 22 and 23. I'm still not sure about whether it's going to be on the test or not, because I don't think we're supposed to cover this until later, but it's on our review sheet. So we're going to go over just in case. Uh, so 22, explain the rise and fall of the Olmec, Mayan, Aztec, and Inca empires. So the Olmec, Okay, they're going to come in during the early 1200s. They're the original group, okay, that we know about, uh, and they're going to settle along the rivers, and that's going to be where they grow stuff. Um, and they actually are going to last for about 800 years, so they last for, for quite a while. Uh, but then they have a couple of problems with the rivers. The growing seasons don't produce like they're supposed to, and they start to kind of thin out from there. All right. Uh, next up is the Mayans. Uh, they're going to build these. A lot of little cities, independent city-states uh, all over their region, okay? Uh, and they get along. They're trading. They're working together, uh, doing a lot of good things together. But then uh, war between the city-states is going to break out as we get into some different problems. Trade's going to break down, and that's going to lead to their downfall, all right? The Aztec, uh, 
they're going to be nomads that are kind of traveling around looking for a place to stay. And they finally do find a place and they build uh, they build you know, giant cities, ten children and things like that. Um, and they're going to last a while. But then the uh, Cortez, the Spanish are going to come in and they're going to basically wipe out the Aztec. And then lastly is the Inca. Uh, and they're similar. Uh, they have a really big military. They are conquesting all over the place. They're going to take over most of the western coast of uh, South America, but then Bizarro from uh, Europe is going to come and take them over. All right. And then we got to compare the culture of the Mayans, Aztecs, and Incas. So first up, the guy, the government, and this is in a box. We went over this in class. Um, the government, the Mayans, okay, they had the independent city-states ruled by kings and priests. All right. Uh, so that's who had the power under the Mayans and their city-states. The Aztec, uh, they're going to have a central emperor. With uh, and then it branches off from there. They have regional rulers who paid tribute to the emperor, but the the end all be all was that central emperor. And then the Incas were led by a, a king, with the empire kind of divided into some units, uh, and they were all connected. They had, had built some great roads. We're going to talk about with it, their technology, uh, but the king was the the big thing. All right, religion. All right. Uh, first up, you know. You need to know they're all going to be polytheistic. They're all going to worship multiple gods. All right. So the Mayans are going to really religion is the thing. Okay. Uh, we said they're going to worship several gods. They're going to uh, worship through prayer and offerings. And one of those offerings is human sacrifice. So they did do that. All of them did human sacrifice. Uh, Aztecs. They also worship multiple gods. Uh, they were the big human sacrificers. Uh, you know, they worship the sun god, among others. Uh, but they would make a human sacrifice to the sun god almost daily to, to be sure the sun came up. Alrighty. And then the Incas, um, they didn't have the, the gods that we see with the Mayans and the Aztecs. Uh, the Incas are going to be more based on ancestor worship, where they're going to worship um, the, the people, the fathers and mothers who would come before them, the grandparents and, and things like that. OK. Uh, and they also had some human sacrifice. So all of them uh, had that stuff going on there. All right. The social structure, the Mayans, they had kind of four things. They had the nobles, the commoners, uh, the serfs and the slaves. That was their social structure. You fit into one of those categories. All right. Uh, and then you had the Aztec. They had a couple of different ones. They had the emperor at the top. Then they had the priests. Then they had the warriors, then the merchants, then the farmers, and then finally they had uh, the slaves. Okay, and then lastly the Incas, uh, their social structure was kind of based on uh, the Indian caste system. Now there was not a relation there; they did not the Incas and the the Indians never kind of linked up like that. Uh, but this the structure they had was based on kind of the uh, the system where, hey, you're born into this system, you're born into this level, and you you can't get out. Okay, so you cannot uh, get out of that system. Uh, technology. Uh, the main thing to know about all of them, all all three, were that they were great builders, great architects. Okay, uh, they could do a lot of uh, different things that were really impressive for uh, the time that they were. Uh, you know, during that time, uh, building the pyramids they built and things like that. Um, so, uh, really, really great builders. Uh, and that's all three of them. The one thing that you need to know also about the Incas is that they were also able to do some irrigation stuff. They built some irrigation canals where they could bring water from rivers and places like that to their, their crops. And they also had a huge system of roads. Okay. Uh, the arts, 
both the Mayans and the Aztecs de developed calendars. Um, they used the astronomy. Okay, they were able to do that kind of stuff. Uh, look at the stars, and they could determine when days were and whatnot. And then the Incas, uh, you need to know they were good metal workers. Okay, so good metal workers. Uh, the economy, all of it was really based on agriculture. All three of them were based on agriculture. Uh, at the heart of it, the mines and the Aztecs were really based on agriculture and then trade. So we'll grow crops and then we'll go trade with, with other people. The Incas, they were based on uh, agriculture and trade, but they were more self-sufficient farmers. So, you know, I have my little family. I'd grow enough for my family and I, I, that was it. I wouldn't really go out there and trade and things like that. Okay. All right, so those are there, that, middle of that. Uh, all right, uh, the last few things here, 24, analyze the relationship between Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Uh, the main thing to know about that they all share is that they're monotheistic, okay? Um, Abraham and Moses are important figures and really all three of them. Jerusalem is a sacred place for all three of them. Uh, all three um, kind of form up in Southwest Asia and they... Um, yeah, so that's kind of the, the things that they're similar with. All right. Um, the I'm not going to really get into the big differences. You know, the Christians have the Bible. The, the Jews have the Torah. The, the Islam has the, the Quran. Um, some of the different beliefs. Obviously, Christianity has Jesus. OK. Um, you know, it's the son of God and things like that. The Jews do not have that. They just believe that Jesus was a important prophet. Islam recognizes them as a prophet, but nowhere near the level of, of uh, Muhammad. And now that I'm thinking, I might be saying that wrong. But anyways, um, just some of the differences. The main thing, though, is that I think the, the, the stuff that's the same, which is the monotheism and the, the belief in, in one God. And they all believe in the same God. They just worship him differently. Okay. Uh, I don't know if there'll be much on that though, on the test. Number 25, explain the reasons for the split between the Sunni and the, the Shi Muslims or something like Shi, the Shiite Muslims. Uh, the Sunni, they believe that the, the new leader after Muhammad died should be the be elected by the people picked from the community. And then the Shi or the Shiite believe that it should be a relative of uh, Muhammad. And so that's a split still around today. 26, explain the development of monotheism, including the concepts developed by the ancient Hebrews and Zoroastrians. Okay. Uh, main thing to know here is that the Zoroaster Zoroaster uh, was really the first monotheistic religion we know of. Uh, and that's where a lot of the ideas that Christians get and, and some of the other religions get, they pull from that uh, heaven and hell and the, some different concepts like that, good versus evil. Uh, things like that come from uh, Zoroaster and the Zoroastrians, uh, and the Hebrews were kind of in the same boat there. All right, so that is your uh, midterm review. Remember, we're in the lab up on a hole one point three four eight. So we'll see you uh, tomorrow. All right, take care.